Hello, welcome to my podcast, I'm a Mum Fix My Life. I'm Antonia Jones and this is the final episode of season two before we return again for season three in the new year. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Mum Melissa Brenya, who is a qualified Key Stage 1 and 2 teacher and a Key Stage 3 post-16 mentor in addition to being a qualified youth worker. Not only is Melissa a connoisseur in education, she's a founder and CEO of Be Yourself Today and she's here to offer some tips which will help support mums and the learning needs of young people in education so they can all excel in their own special way. How are you, Melissa? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining me. So good to talk to you today. (laughs) Education has been um, a topical subject for all of us, especially during the pandemic, COVID-19, and I'm sure this will answer a few questions mums will have as well, this topic today that we're talking about education um, and how we can support young people to excel. And with your experience as a teacher, it's just so good to have you on the platform today just to use your experience to like share some light on how we can support young people and also just to be to be real. And you know to- I'll keep you real, girl. <laughs> and answer some of the questions that parents may have been afraid to ask as well but before we do that it'd be great to hear about your journey as a mum into teaching well where do I start so um after I um graduated from my first degree which is criminology and youth studies I was a bit lost as you do when you're 20 years old so I thought to myself why don't I apply for this postgrad certificate in education and become a teacher But what that entails is something called a skills test. Luckily for me, I was able to pass the English first time round. Even though having a C in maths, unfortunately, I failed the test three times. I think this is what started my anxiety because it has a timer. You know, like when you're in a theory test centre, it's that sort of environment with the time ticking. And it's just something that I think I found really hard to deal with. And because I wanted it so badly, I think it all affected my mental health. Unfortunately, as I said, um, I didn't pass three times. And within that time, you get banned for two years. So within that, I ended up becoming pregnant. Um, yeah, and then after that, I, like that caused my anxiety. It also caused depression because I wasn't where I was, where I wanted to be in my life at the time. And it's something that really affected my life. But God willing, due to family support and you know, having some loved ones around me, I was able to come out of that depression. And I said, you know what, I'm not a quitter. So after the two years, I went back and amen, I passed that skills test. And can you imagine in 2020, they don't even do the skills test because there's a shortage of teachers. So there's unlimited tries and no test anymore. So this is just to encourage anybody that if there's anything that you want to do, regardless of your situation, continue to push through because that's something I don't regret in my life. And my child will always, you know, look back when she's older and think, mom was a G, you know, and that warms my heart. And so just going back over where you experienced postnatal um, depression, um, are you saying like the anxiety kicked in due to just, just different factors going on? in your life and being a a single mom as well that kind of took its toll um kind of what led up to that definitely and I missed a big part of my journey as a mother I gave birth in my room (laughs) my partner at the time my daughter's dad um he delivered the baby so there was no 
um, midwife or anything at the moment. I literally gave birth in my bedroom. So I think that in addition to the depression I was going through during my pregnancy too, it was just really overwhelming, the lack of sleep. You know, for me, what I understand for depression is when you get to a stage of your life and you're not where you want to be. And it really affected me. But I want to encourage everyone. Look at me now. I know and you're smiling and and that is it there there's always challenges ahead but it's um looking at the trying to look at the solution and how to navigate through it and there's never a wrong way of tackling that challenge but it's just having that clear vision and as you say having the right people around you to support you and the the smile there's more behind the smile as you say you I wouldn't want to wear anybody else's shoes or live somebody else's life because what it took to get them where they need to be. Listen, don't watch people on social media. All the smiles, all the makeup, all of the designer clothes, there's a story behind everybody. And if, you know, I've only given you one little piece of mine. So imagine if I was to tell you mine in full. I always say to everybody, be kind to everybody because you do not know what somebody is going through. It's so true. I'm really interested in your network, Be Yourself Today. So just thinking about getting young people to know themselves and be true to their beliefs. I do remember one day being at school and going through like a skills test and it came up to me probably working in more the admin side of things. And um, I thought, right, I want to be a journalist at some point and work in marketing and do some other things. And I, I have used those skills anyway to get me to where I've been today and radio so it's all part of it. Um, and then it's just looking at that. So working towards where you need to be, if you haven't got the right support around you, I at that time I thought, I've taken this test. Maybe this is a path for me, but actually I had bigger dreams than that. So how do we tackle that? How do you how can you be yourself? As I say, be yourself today, it starts with you. I think for me it took a long time for me to know who I was. I think I've always known I'm quite confident very confident person in the sense of I know what I like but as a child I've always been determined from a young age I've always wanted my goals but I didn't know I wanted to become a teacher I've always knew I wanted to help somebody based on the courses I've done since I've left school I've done health and social care you know I've worked in youth centers as I've explained I'm a um, youth worker but I didn't think I would become a teacher but one thing I did have as we've said not having those supportive friends and family it makes it very difficult for yourself I had a youth centre, which was my home. And that's somewhere I've been going from a teen. You know, I've had my mentor, who is my mentor now, my youth manager. And just having that person that's not in your family, who's that non-biased figure. And I think having that youth centre, I know, obviously, due to resources now in 2020, we don't have that platform. But I want to make myself available for children and young people to come to, to speak to, you know, I I wish I could help people in the way that my uh, mental helps me as a young person. And it's just knowing people that are there. You know, as we're saying, people may not have families. People may not have, you know, the luxury, the luxury of having friends, in fact, you know. But having somebody to talk to, that's something, as I've grown as an adult, I know how important it is. And then as a as a teacher and as a mum as well, so you teach young people of different ages and it, it rounds up from the younger ages up from key stage one to key stage two and then you say post-16 as well. So I don't teach 
I'm a primary school teacher, but primary school teachers can teach secondary. But due to not specialising in something, primary is general. So we teach all the subjects and secondaries have a main subject. So I'm willing to mentor young people as in having that person to talk to, as you're saying, with their next steps of life and encouraging them, you know, just in general with their life choices, just having that person to speak to. I'm willing to do that. And and that's what is needed. So as parents, how closely and what's your kind of um, take on things, liaising with parents like day to day? I know we're in lockdown at the moment, but just in general, how best can parents work with teachers to support children who have many different challenges? Some may have learning disabilities. Some may have dyslexia or um, this like ADHD. There's so much um, challenges young people are faced with and maybe a young person might be excelling as well like how do we balance that all and trying to support them I think my advice is never be shy to to ask for help that's one thing I would say and that could mean in the sense that I can only speak for my personality as a mother as a teacher I'm very approachable I'm always there for my pupils and their parents I always make sure I have that time I make sure I ask them how are you doing so they know that if they need anything any support I'm always printing extra worksheets I'm always saying if you need a chat like even if it's you know you could, those that go through bereavement as we know COVID's been difficult you know some parents are really struggling with their mental health so I make sure I'm there not as just the teacher I make myself real and relatable so without sharing my personal business I make them know I'm a mum as well so I get it you know if you need to speak to me at any given point just come to the office call and say you want to speak to me email me I make myself available and I don't know if every school has that luxury because every school has their pros and cons and you know I don't know what people allow but as a person I like to make myself open so parents feel that they can come and talk to me and I always have feedback from that and that makes me smile knowing that they feel comfortable to speak to me about anything you know without obviously crossing the professional boundaries people feel free because I make myself available on a professional level that's a really good point that you make so if any parent feels that they need to speak to a teacher the resources are always there but again they can contact the reception send an email um just to be frank because teachers are there to support with the learning and so they um, and what we do have to understand is that children spend the majority of their time at school they do so as this has become an eye-opener for us all, because we are living in unprecedented times, nobody knew this was going to happen. But I think those parents who care about their children and their education are those that are willing to ask questions. Once again, I can only speak on behalf of my school and myself as a teacher. I know my school is very supportive. During lockdown, you know, we were calling families every day, sending families foods, etc. And having that type of school that is supportive like that you should use it to your advantage no and I I definitely get that so also for parents who um, may not be I'm not a teacher some some are not teachers Um, you've got accountants you have um, mums who are stay-at-home mums you've got mums who may be beauticians doctors nurses but this, this is, there's an art to to being a teacher, which is why you have qualified and trained. And, <laughs> and as parents, parents have to wear so many hats. Then they have to balance the home and the, the work life at the same time. 
especially during this time. But just in general, if a parent lacks the confidence um, and they may not be a, you know, a scholar in reading books or even maths may not be their strong subjects, like what, what do they do? Do you know what? I always use my example, as I discussed earlier about my maths, and I think me not, quote unquote, being good at maths and having that disbelief of myself not being good in maths from a young age, even when I was able to pass having that C. For me, that was a scrape because I was deemed as a bright person. I was deemed to have a higher grade in maths, but maths hasn't always been my strongest point. But what I did do, because I wanted to become a teacher, I'd done the extra research. I cared about my life. And not to um, disrespect any parents, because once again, I'm a parent myself, but I feel like if you care, you can ask the teachers for what resources can I go on? What websites can I go on? There are loads of resources. There's loads of videos. There's TS, there's Twinkle, there's YouTube. Like we live in 2020. If you want to learn how to do something, I'm sorry, you need to open your eyes and learn. And if you're finding it tricky, you need to ask help for help. Sorry. So you're you're just being very straight as a teacher because that then supports um, the learning of the young person and and it's Definitely. like we, we get ourselves and think about the young person that needs to to learn these new kind of subjects. Being in the the pandemic right now, there's been so much shifts and changes and having to adapt as well. And I was looking at some figures and according to a YouGov um, survey, they're a global public opinion and data company. And after months of lockdown, over a third of parents, that's 36%, say that their children are feeling isolated and lonely, with millions also feeling anxious or unable to sleep in education. So how does this affect the ability of young people learning? How can we spot these signs? I think coming back as a teacher from the pandemic, there has been a clear distinction between the children who had support and those who were at home and without judging because I'll be real as a teacher and a mother I come home my child is on her iPad I'm not going to sit here and lie yeah but you can tell those children who have had no education whatsoever I'm a year two teacher and by the age of you know six seven we're expecting children to begin writing you know narratives Mm -hmm. obviously not to um, a high standard because they're year two students some of them can't write their name yes some of them are finding it hard to read you know, the common exception words from year one, such as and and so. So, I mean, it's clear to see. And without putting the blame on anyone, I think one thing to take from this, if anything, those parents who are struggling with children at home with their learning, is it's it's a community. It's not down to the teacher and the school. It's down to the parents also. And I understand with English being additional language, with people having their own mental health, with people having their own learning disabilities, etc. I urge parents, honestly, if you're not sure, ask for help. And people or the te- the adults in the school should be willing to help. So just, just homing in again on the survey about young people and their feeling um, the third of Um, parents um, saying that their children are feeling isolated and lonely and the factors are due to having to probably work from home having to focus and you you can't have your your parents around in the background because you've got to focus so I can understand so this YouGov survey surveyed around 8,439 adults of which 2,001 of them were parents of children aged 18 or under so that's pretty high 
for, for young people to feel in that way. And then the report also went on to say that um, parents test are for feeling anxious, admitting to being out of their depth, like w- which we just spoke about when it comes to supporting their children during lockdown. So again, it's managing that. How are, you know, your own experience and parents, what, if a parent comes to you and they say, right, I'm feeling really anxious, like what advice would you give to them to support their young person learning at home? So me personally, if I'm honest, when I had to work from home, I really struggled. I have a four-year-old daughter and I look after my niece who's in year five. So that was very hard for me. So when I think about secondary school children, as you said, they have their specified subjects, which they obviously are taught. I like, let's say my child is doing, I don't know, media studies or something. That's where it gets tricky. As I was saying, I urge parents to learn about what their children are doing and so forth. I, I, I kind of contradict myself in the sense that I'm referring only to primary because it's the basics, you know. When we're talking about secondary, I can completely understand if children are feeling overwhelmed with their parents in the background. I completely understand, even as a parent myself on this meeting, that feeling that my child might walk in, you know, it is an anxious thing. And if a parent came to me speaking about how they feel with anxiety, I would just be there to have a listening ear. I would be able to give them um, referrals. We we refer um, parents to early help, you know, and people always think, oh, social services, they're going to take my kids and what have you. But no, it's actually a service that's there to help you. They can help you financially. They could help you with your mental health. They can refer you to so many different peoples. It's not the first instinct. I think within our culture, people have that ideology that, oh, somebody's going to take my kids and, you know, that's not what we do, etc. But those that are willing will take the support and it will help them. That's really good to know. And there is that stigma and it still continues amongst some parents. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that it's not about um, intervention because social services are not about taking children away unless um, there's a serious issue of neglect or really um, heightened child protection issues. The main aim is to um, work together, to keep families together and to support them. So I'm thankful that you mentioned that. So again, parents, if you are feeling anxious, tap into the resources now. It's very virtual now. So there's lots of learning support from teachers and there's websites, you know, as I said, like even on YouTube, there's people like myself, like yourself, who are just sharing their experiences. Listening to their story can motivate you in some type of way. You know, of course, it's not magic. If you're feeling anxious and somebody's talking at you, it's not going to be something that interests you. But having, you know, as I said, early help, they could refer you, you know, for counselling. They could refer you with the financial side of things. There's so many things that are affecting people and triggering their anxiety. And I'm sure one way or another, someone can lead you to someone that will help you. And just hearing your story as well, of just homing in on what actually made you, I know you said your dad inspired you, but like, what was that turning point? Because it's not an easy thing to say, right, I'm going to give my life over to educating children so they can be inspired because there's a lot you've behind the scenes you do a lot I I think people just think teachers you go home 
you teach and then you listen. And you're off as well. So I can go back to my story. When my child was in nursery, she was the first and last child. Driving my car, tears streaming down my face, thinking I'm such a bad mum. And as the years have gone on, when people, you know, support me and comfort me and remind me of why I'm doing it, it does bring joy to my eye. That's why I can stand here or sit here rather and smile whilst I'm talking to you because I know that this discussion will go to somebody and somebody will hear it and be motivated to do what they want to do with their life. I think for me, as I said, in secondary school, I know I wasn't the best pupil. And I felt like that's because I didn't feel like I had a lot of teachers that were relatable. Those that I found relatable, I listened to them and I felt them in the sense of, you get me, you know? And that love that they showed towards me, they went the extra mile. I tried to make myself that role model. I talk to the children in my class like I talk to my own child. Do you know what I mean? Because I want, you don't know, a lot of children are lacking love. A lot of children are lacking empathy. And just that talk, like, sometimes I just sit there and I talk to them like how we would talk, obviously not to my friends, but I talk to them on that level so they know that they can feel comfortable and discuss whatever's bothering them with me you know and I think it's really important as a teacher to make yourself available I'm a human being I'm not going to be okay all the time and I let them know that as well I try to be real with them and I think that's why the parents like me being their teacher because I keep it so real yes so then on to role models who was your role model? You say that I'm going to be a teacher. Was it was it a, was it anyone in the industry? Was there anyone in the media that you felt actually I look up to this person? They don't have to be a teacher. Um, who do you look up to? Um, it's quite a good question. I don't feel like I have a specific individual within the media. I feel like as I've referred to my mentor, my youth worker, um, she was like mom, like. I was telling her things I wasn't telling my mom. Like the youth center was somewhere we could just be. And till this day, she's somebody I can talk to about anything. You know, she's always pushed me um, to do great. And she's always been there for me. In secondary school, I had a few teachers also that encouraged me. And, you know, they could see my potential, but there was just little things that you're doing which you shouldn't be doing. And they can see and they're like, what are you doing and just sometimes they would just keep me in the classroom because they wanted to keep me grounded and I thank God for that because if you asked me 10 years ago would I be a teacher I would much be laughing your face because I didn't really like school like, at school was the place to go and chill and meet your brethren it wasn't like if my teachers heard me how well spoken I am now you know how I dress that they would be absolutely gobsmacked if they found out I was a teacher now. Wow. Do you know what? That is a challenge. I think you should go and find your teachers. Do you know what? I was just talking about this the other day and I did go back. This was before I was fully qualified to my secondary school actually, but the teachers I was looking for went there. Oh, wow. What you could do is um, to try, you know, I, think the- I need to find them. No, no, no. Honestly, I've been speaking about it a lot recently and I do feel like it's something, but basically before I became fully qualified as a teacher I was going to um do some work in my school so I lined up the project and everything and then I went back to do my PGCE so I kind of just abandoned it wow they'll be so amazing it's, it's amazing so if you say you're a challenging student and look at you now <laughs> listen anybody can be anything you know anything you put your mind to 
listen, if you want to do something, and I tell everybody, if you want to do something, forget whatever, like, I'm a very determined person from young. My friends will tell you, when I wanted to do my driving, I'll block you all out and I'll do it. If I'm the only one that's driving, that's my problem. I know I need to do what I need to do. I've always been determined and it's just been something of my character. So as a as a black teacher, because that's my next question, um, I know that you've done the, you led the Black History Month um, campaign yes, across your, your school as well. And, and I feel like that was one of the proudest moments of my career. Why? Why is that? I feel like in 2020, it's not that awkward conversation. Are we celebrating Black History Month? Or whereby it hasn't even been discussed and it's just like, oh, let's just get on with it. I feel like in 2020, we're given this opportunity to say, you know, with what's going on in the world, I think it's very important that we shed light on Black History Month, not highlighting the slavery slavery aspect of it, but actually looking at the inspirational figures within the Black community, which have inspired us, you know, myself as a teacher. If I didn't see people like this within the media, I would just think, oh, let me just do something low-key. But when you see these amazing figures, it makes you wonder and it makes you inspire or it inspires you rather to do something with your life. You needed to someone to mentor you and you had that support that you needed. And and this Definitely. is to speak to parents and to children of all nationalities. Again, it's teaching um you know, whatever you want to be, you can be what you want to be. And you were taught and you were mentored in your own unique way. So I can see that through your um, Be Yourself Today initiative. And again, it's about nurturing the young individual to, to be who they want to be. So it'd be interesting to find out in your school with young people, what kind of professions that are popping up and and, you know, what, what do they say they want to be now, the young people in your class? And how are you helping you know them? What? I'm not being big-headed, but I know I'm very good at my job. A lot of the children say, Miss Brenya, I wish I was a teacher. I want to be a teacher. And I always say to them, at break time, do you want to come and mark the books with me? Do you want to tidy up? Do you want to go into those meetings that I go into? They're like, really? I'm like, it's more than just standing here. And listen, when you're a teacher, you're an actor, you're a mother. You're a nurse when they come with their cuts and you have to put your wet tissue. You're a counsellor. You're a mathmat- Like, I have to be a geographer. I don't need, like, a lot of the time I have to go and revise before I teach these things because it's not within something I know. You know, when, if I have to cover another class or if I'm tutoring, I have to go and look at these things that I'm teaching. You know, I think it's really important to note, you know, your qualities from a young age and I feel like myself I try to bring that out of the children if you're really good at art I'll tell you you're gonna be you're going you're going to be an artist one day I'm going to see you in a gallery and I love motivating them because I wish I had that you know I'll I'll be honest with you no disrespect to my primary school I can't remember primary school at all and I'm not that old but I know if I had those people that were motivating me, I can remember a few things and a few teachers, but it's not something that, you know, strikes me. Some people talk about their primary school experience and I'm just like, mm, I can't really remember. But if you had something to remember, you would remember. And I make sure that every child that has come within my presence leaves with something, my vibe, you know, I just want them to do well. And I talk to them and even today I was getting onto my class, but I know they'll remember that. And they'll appreciate it one day. 
And that's just just thinking about parents as well. As you said, it's like you have to go back and you've got to learn a particular subject. So if a parent feels not confident about trying to support the young person, again, you've just said it. You've just said, right, this is how I I'll have be real. I, I feel like you have to. Of course, yes, I, you know, went to do a postgraduate course in education because I wanted to become a teacher. Fine. The reason why I chose this job is not because I want to be a teacher, because I want to inspire and motivate young people. I have a child. I want my child to have teachers that she feels inspires them and motivates them. As a mother, when I come back from school, I'll be honest, I'm drained. I don't even really want to hear her voice because I've been having 30 of them shouting and screaming from 8.30 in the morning. Do you know what I mean? But she has to do her phonics. So I have to put aside what I want to do, my little chill time, and I have to do her homework. But then what I want to do, (laughs) but I have to. But just spinning um, that around, again, you're a teacher, then you're a mother. So as a mother, then you've got a teacher, a series of teachers teaching your daughter subjects again. So there are challenging questions that I'm sure mums will want to ask again. If you don't feel that they are teaching your child in the way they should be taught, and your child is not happy, um, what would you do then? Um, Once again, I can only speak of my experiences within my school. I can only say that, you know, um, we're always willing to talk to parents and teach, guide and um, help. But going back to what you said, that that, um, when you're being the devil's advocate, for example, I can give you the scenario of if you are a driver, if you had to teach your child to drive, wouldn't you find that difficult than teaching a stranger? Possibly because you're thinking that it's your car and all of the emotions, you know them very well. You probably might get a little bit frustrated at times, but then I get very, 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 very frustrated with my child. And I think being a teacher, it works adversely in my, um, in my you know, life because I have this expectation of her. And then I have to remember she's only four years old, chill out. And then it, it is quite tricky because as I said I spend my whole day with other people's children and I come to my own and honestly I don't have the energy to do what I should be doing with her because of my background and my job I'm so drained but I think as well taking myself out of the situation and I was even explaining this to somebody the other day I never even knew that you could go to the museum for free I never knew that you know, these things were available for parents. I didn't know schools offered certain, you know, support until I came into that field. So until you are in that field, you have no idea. So me sharing this, hopefully this does open some mums, you know, eyes and feel like they can go and ask somebody for support. And as I said, I'm always here. I might not teach in your school, but I might be able to share some knowledge or some resources that I have, or I might even be able to direct you to somebody who could help. Yeah, and then focusing on that again, as we talked about the, the challenges and um, parents who can be quite challenging, and obviously there is um, safeguarding measures for parents and teachers as well. Um, what's how, you know, what you've been trained to do, um, if a parent has a complaint, what's that kind of best protocol? What is the best way to deal with it? If they're not happy with teaching styles. So 
if you're referring to a teacher complaining, I mean, sorry, a parent complaining about a teacher, one thing I try to reassure parents, for example, maths, um, schools do different schemes of work and so forth. The one that my school uses, it does a lot of things which I wouldn't say I disagree with, but for me as a teacher and as a parent, I think if a child learns this equation this way and that's the way they feel comfortable with it, why would you complicate and teach them all these methods? I guess because it wants you to give them that fluency in different aspects. But I feel like for me, and I say to parents, when you're in the test, you don't have all those deans to be counting tens and ones. Draw the thing <laughs> so you have it. So it's once again, uh, I, I'm not trying to curve you, but I can only speak from my own experience. I can teach you these styles. But if you're you know, teacher is opposing and doesn't even want to hear what you're saying. Obviously, a parent will get um, shut off and become defensive because they feel like they're not heard. So I don't blame any parent for feeling in that way. And then as you, you say that again, uh, I've got like kind of questions around this, the school reports again. Uh, you see you your child is perfect in your eyes and then you get this school report and you're not happy with it again. And And what you're saying is really reassuring because you're spending days in days out working with young people and to teach them their subjects and parents may not be happy with the responses but this is a reflection based on your experience and it's the main thing is to get positive outcomes so you just trying to highlight um what you've noticed and how you can resolve it and sometimes that can be deemed as actually this teacher doesn't like my child but what you're saying is no that's not the case I think for teachers, and this is my only advice that I can give to teachers, not parents, is that I've always been taught that a parent should never be shocked at a parent's evening. If there's an issue with the child academically, behaviour-wise, whatever the scenario is, it shouldn't get to a report. I'm a mum, so I take teaching to a different level because I'm a mother, so I would like to know. So I try my best to keep my parents in, in, you know, in everything, if there's an issue, you, you need to know. And we need to work together to support the progress of the child. Let me give an example of a report. So if a child is significantly below at the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, they are still at that level, I can reassure you that there's been progress. By the way, I speak to the parents, communicate with them. I can show you their work, etc. God forbid a child comes in and leaves on the same level. But unfortunately, in some cases it does. It might be because of their special needs. It might be because English is an additional language. It might be that the child is very clever, but within the classroom environment, they find it hard to cope. For many factors, there might be family issues going on or things that the parents might not even be aware of going in that child's life. However, as I said, that communication with the parents if there's an issue okay do you know what I've noticed this isn't going well I advise you to do this or here's some extra sheets or whatever whatever if it's behavior strategies once again I'm the type of teacher that I will send you okay you can speak to this person you can use this website you know and I try to steer them in that supportive light because I know what it's like to be in the dark and I don't want that for parents I want them to feel comfortable I want them to know that I'm making an impact I wake up every single day because I want to inspire your child I don't wake up and come to work to get paid there because I genuinely want to make an impact in your child's life and I make that known I believe I totally believe you because it's the same as um you a caring profession like a doctor um a nurse for the job. And, and every profession has its 
kind of you got it's got its niche as to why you're doing it some element of I want to help this organization grow um so just hearing that you're you're representing the majority of teachers and um and the wider network and it's it's just nice to hear that from from your perspective as a mum and as a teacher at the same time. So just looking at things such as like and um, we're talking about intervention, like bullying. Um, I've got some more stats as well. So recently it was Anti-Bullying Week, and I know that you That's were involved yeah. in that. And it was organised by the Anti-Bullying Alliance. And yeah. this year's theme, as you know, was United Against Bullying. So last year, about 75% of schools in the UK took part. And 7 million people took part as well. And I'm not sure the, the, the numbers this year, but I'm sure they were the same because that's quite a lot of people getting involved. And so a poll was run on this and it questioned more than 2,000 secondary pupils in England in October and found that 33% had been bullied in the last six months. Um, other findings in the report included one in three children have been bullied during the pandemic as well as cyberbullying. Also, two in five children were worried about bullying when they returned to class after months of school closures as well. So how have you kind of managed that? Um, For myself, when we returned after the lockdown, it was a lot of discussion based. We didn't go straight into, you know, the usual curriculum. And I think it was very important for the children, because, as I said, a lot of children have come from different walks of lives. And you could tell the clear distinction between the children who have you know, we don't know what specifically it might have been, but you can just tell that a lot of children were affected by that. And I think it's really important that PSHE aspect of the learning, those discussion base and, you know, just getting to know the children and making them feel comfortable. One thing I would say about the term bullying from my own experience within my school is I think a lot of the children misuse the word. So going back to the, the PSHE lessons I think it's really important to distinguish what bullying means because if you look at the definition of bullying it's not on one occasion it's on several occasions whereby somebody's intentionally trying to cause you harm so if Billy kicks my foot every day you know and he wants me to be hurt he's bullying me but if he's just done it a few times I mean obviously as a parent nobody wants to hear that but I think bullying is something that's reoccurring. And I think um, from my personal experiences, some children have needs, you know, and unfortunately your child might just be in the way when they're having their meltdown. And unfortunately your child might be sitting next to this child all the time. And once again, the communication between the parents and the teachers, the teacher needs to not even say the child's name, but needs to let you know perhaps this is why this is happening to your child. Your child has been affected by a child who's got X, Y, and Z, and that communication. So your child, your as a parent, you feel at ease. Not that the pair, the teachers, because sometimes we get, um, you know, parents are so, how, you know, how did that happen? Are you not watching my child on the playground? Firstly, <laughs> there's how many children on the playground? Secondly, you know, <laughs> secondly, you know, um, you can't. Of course, the children are being watched, but as a teacher personally, once again, I can only speak for my school, I'm not even on playground duty. I go once a week and when I'm there, they know not to run because Miss Brain is there. Do you know what I mean? So it depends because the children know who to respect and who not to respect. Not that there's a distinction within my workplace, but they know who, who they can get away with things and who they can't. 
but I think it's for everybody to be vigilant and I think for parents to actually have those discussions with your children what is so and so doing to you and talking to the teacher because once again there might be something going on as a teacher I might not have a clue because I'm not there and they're going home telling their mum because they don't want to look like a snitch or what have you but as I said it's just those conversations communicating with the teachers and you know if you feel like the teacher god forbid isn't helpful talk to slt talk to the senior management talk to somebody who will hear you and and there's so much happening in the classroom that we've we've skipped over so much um there's so much wider issues um we've gone from um the lockdown adapting online bullying um listen coming back to that sorry i forgot to say as well in 2020 we're talking about bullying as in somebody physically harming cyberbullying I think this is really important there is some apps that parents can control what their children are on it's called family link if you research into that on google you can control what your child is on after a certain time the thing can even lock off I would urge parents that are worried about cyberbullying listen when your child's on the ipad sit make them feel uncomfortable sit next to them and see what they're doing Yes, and you're I know right. it's tricky when you've got your things going on. You know, I've I've got a niece, and I'll be honest, I don't always take her phone, but I randomly take it and I just go through her things. You have to be vigilant as a parent in 2020. There's so many things the children are exposed to, and, and you're so right. And that's a really important um, subject to bring up as as well. People online misusing and exploiting young people on online. So again, parents have to be very vigilant and super vigilant. There's resources to, to understand. There's, there's been lots of like reports online about what the dangers as, as well. So going on to the kind of the criminology aspect, um, learning to safeguard young people. Um, as a teacher and as a parent, like what can parents do? Young people are um, probably hanging around in the wrong crowds. I know we're in the pandemic now, but can hangouts online, um, they, you know, things will change where they can spend time with their, their friends out. Um, it all depends on the, the COVID restrictions. But again, how can um, parents safeguard um, to ensure that young people are just nurtured in the right direction and not going down a path that they shouldn't be? And um, there's been cases yeah. of, like young people who uh, have gone missing, um, getting involved in so many things who have been kidnapped. It's, it's a serious issue. Um, from my personal experience in my life, a trick that my mum used to do when we were young is my house used to be the chill spot and she used to do that intentionally. And until I grew up, I understood. She made us all come under her wing. Everyone could come and chill at my house and eat food. Everyone could come and listen to loud music in my house. She made them feel comfortable. And now looking back, when I felt like, mm, how come I couldn't go to X, Y, and Z house? And you look at the relationship with them and their parents now, and it really opens your eyes. And, you know, I thank my mum for that because at the time I just thought, you're jarring. Why do you always want to know what we're doing? But as an older person now, as a mother, actually, it was the right way. And, you know, there's ways and means. I don't have all the solutions. However, I do think that was a good idea. I mean, it's very different now from when I was in secondary school. I'm not a secondary teacher, so I'm not around them often, but I have nieces and um, cousins who are younger than me. And the things they talk about, we weren't talking about that. You know, the things they see, we, we was not doing that. So I think it's not easy, but having 
that mentorship again. I have young people that come to me and talk to me about things they can't talk to their parents about and making myself available and building that rapport with the children. They trust me because they know I wouldn't obviously quote unquote snitch unless if they are harming themselves or it is a safeguarding issue. But I advise you to just have a relationship with your child. They're not going to tell you everything. Having that older cousin who's, you know, maybe a few years older than them with some experience or, you know, a family friend or just somebody that, you know, talk to them on levels that I want you to mentor my child. I want you to be there for my child because I feel like when it's me, they don't feel comfortable. And as time goes on, your child will eventually open up to them. Like I've had to share things with my niece who's 17 to the point where she's comfortable to share some things with me as well, because I made myself a relatable person. So when she's going out with her friends and I've got her on all socials, I know what she's doing, but unless if she's hurting herself, I wouldn't tell her mom. Yeah. And and you know what? You've just given us so many different perspectives. So we've gone from being teacher to mom, teacher to mom. And it's just so it's nice. Hard. About it's hard. It's having the balance. Yeah. <laughs> no, My child is still young, as I say. So don't think that I know everything. I can just speak because I've been a mother to children who, you know, are in secondary school. I've got some of my mentees that I had from the youth centre that aren't even that much younger than me, but I'm still the mummy figure to them. You know, and it's just nice because seeing them grow into women and men. And as I said, it is tricky and I don't have all the answers. But one thing I did have was those supportive people. So it is hard, but it's that building that foundation. It's built on trust as well. Yeah. And just for for your advice to parents, uh, but before you tell us about your organisation for the future, what would be your advice as a mum to parents and as a teacher to parents your advice be because you wear two hats um I think it's important for parents to be open-minded we live in 2020 you know um my parents are of Ghanaian heritage so you know that notion of Africa's oh you have to be a doctor you have to be a lawyer I was always rebellious I didn't want to do that and I think me being the person I was, nobody understood me at the time. But over time, it's gradually benefited me because I've I've never done what they wanted to, me to do. I've always done what I wanted to do. And it's helped me because I have a passion for what I do. I haven't chosen to be something that somebody's forced me to be. Going back to Be Yourself Today, it's literally tapping in to what you enjoy. What's your niche? What are you good at doing? How can we encourage children? It's not all about going to uni. And I I always go back to using my dad's example. There's no point of a child going to uni to get a job. This child could go, you know, and it's hard, especially, you know, when I think back, when I was 18 and I was forced to, you know, choose something to do for the rest of my life, thank God that I chose something I had a passion for. If I just chose anything, my degree would have went to waste, you know? A lot of people just do things for the sake of it. And I think that pressure from parents needs to go. Of course, everybody wants their child to do well. I'm not disputing having aspirations for your child. But I think we need to be supportive in, you know, steering them in the way that will give them what they want for their future and allowing them to make mistakes to learn. Because people can't learn unless if they make mistakes. And even my advice to parents is, of course, you want your child to get all the answers right. One thing in my class that the children know is I don't like perfect work because you're not learning anything. When you make a mistake, you're going to go back and you're going to remember. Parents 
and I'm speaking to myself, having these high expectations of our children are amazing, but make sure you're supporting them in that aspiration. If you want your child to be the best reader, you can't be like, oh, you have to read 10 books a day. Read with them, make it interesting. Why don't you write a book review about the book you read together? Why don't you do something? And I know it's time consuming, but if you want your child to be the best you want them to be, there's something has to give. If it's a tutor you have to get, if it's a mentor that you want to pay for, whatever the situation is, just make sure that whatever you're willing or whatever you want them to do, you're willing to do yourself. And that's amazing. And just living in the pandemic right now, as I said, (laughs) this is just a topical subject and with so many changes for young people and parents. And we've just got to, as you say, just relax a bit, take a deep breath, take it in. And let's just like take each day as it comes and just support the young people on their journey. It's hard, but I think as we're saying, that community, like, you know, the saying it takes a village to raise a child. It's true. Like for me, without my family and my supportive friends within this job, I kid you not, I would not be able to survive because it's so hard. It's only now that I'm, you know, within the profession to the point whereby I'm, you know, training other people and I can kind of take a backseat, whereas before I was so on it and I'm still on it because it's just my personality anyway, but I'm not stressing myself out, especially in 2020. We're all going through times which we've never been through. Like sometimes we have to be grateful and look back. Thank God we're alive and we're even having this conversation. So many people have lost life. I think it's easier said than done, but sometimes you have to take a backseat and just think, do you know what? Why am I complaining? Thank God that I've got clean water. I've got clothes to wear. It's just the little things. And, you know, being grateful, once again, it's easier said than done. I'm a human being. I go through those days whereby I feel, you know, down as you do. But it's hard. But when we have children, we have to become selfless. And I don't want my child to see me sad all the time. So if I have to fake it, I have to fake it, you know. But you also have to be real with yourself. The same thing I said before, if you need to seek help with mental health, call your GP. Don't be ashamed. If you need some, you can even call those lions, Samaritans and so forth. But these people do not know you. They have no biased view of you. If you just need someone to talk to from a perspective that is, you know, non-judgmental, feel free to call these people. That's why they're there. You know, it, it, you know, it's really important because it's tricky. If I was still working from home doing those online classes, I would have gone mad. Luckily, I've got that balance and that routine now whereby I'm going to school and I have that break and what have you, because it was hard. So I can only imagine those people that are still working from home. God knows how long that's going to be. Go for a walk in your break. Definitely. Do something you enjoy. Having that balance, like it's hard, but we don't know how long this is going to last for, you know? No, we don't know. And it's working through it. And as I said, taking each day as it comes. So, Melissa, how can we find out more about your organisation and what's your plans for the future? Um, if you want to find me. <laughs> oh, lovely. I see your T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Be yourself today. I, I love yeah. that saying. I love it. Um, I am on Instagram. I do have a Twitter that is not active. So the best way to get me is on Be Yourself Today on Instagram. And hopefully I am able to respond to your DMs. My email address is there as well. Like, I'm a mother, as I said. Before anything, I'm a mother and I'm a woman. So anybody that needs any type of support, I'm always, like, 
girl, you put your number in. I can have a chat with you. I don't want anybody to go through those mental health issues that I went through. So just having somebody to speak to and to hear you, I'm always going to lend a helping hand. I'm a single mother. I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know, everybody's going through something. And, you know, even if it's not me, just talk to somebody, you know. That's amazing. So thank you so much for joining me on the last episode of season two. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing to talk. And I hope that this encourages somebody today. 